We have to grasp that the biosphere is an absolute boundary that limits our behaviour. Then you say, okay, well, how do you get that biosphere imperative to made real in the practical functioning of humans? Put it into every constitution. Having got that in, then that's when change starts to happen, when action starts to happen. Hello and welcome to the second series of the Hidden Power podcast called Pre-Flight Checklist. It's a useful analogy which we are using to think about getting the best out of our little lives on Spaceship Earth, using something that profoundly impacts our lives but none of us ever really see, a constitution. In this series we explore one by one each of the 26 principles that would govern a pleasant life through and at the far side of the current climate emergency. I'm Philip Tottenham and my co-presenter is the author of these principles, Ed Straw. Principle number 10. A fourth separation of powers shall be incorporated in every system of government for the independent feedback of results or outcomes through a resulture. Right. So this is the first of the next batch of principles, which we have grouped under this idea of the fourth separation of powers. And so we're moving on from government and subsidiarity into this four separation of powers series. And I thought it'd be good just to get a little overview of this idea of the separation of powers. It starts with Montesquieu writing the Spirit of the Laws in 1748. And he says, in every government, there are three sorts of power the legislative, the executive in respect to things dependent on the laws of nations, and the executive in regards to matters that depend on the civil law, as in the judiciary. He was very influential, particularly with regards to the writing of the Constitution of the US and in this idea of checks and balances. He says, there would be an end of everything with the same man or the same body, whether of the nobles or of the people, to exercise those three powers, those of enacting laws, that of executing the public resolutions, and of trying the causes of individuals. So this is this idea of of splitting these different powers so that they can balance each other out and they don't accumulate in one person. And indeed, his writings were highly influential across the 19th and 20th centuries. And that separation of powers has endured. You know, you will find that separation in every constitution in the world. Indeed. But what you're saying in Principle 10 is that there's something missing from these three powers. And the way I've understood it, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the laws are issuing from the legislature, the the executive, through the judiciary. And it's this sort of outward motion of change and principle and so on. And what's missing is something to come back at all these and say whether it's working. So yeah. the only time people really hear whether things are working is when there is a general election. Yeah, and I mean, of course, you're talking about thousands of different activities of governments, and we're talking about governments at all levels. And you get this sort of basket of effect, you know, If I take a bit of my views about schooling, about 
the train service, about my bills, about tax, you know, you gather them all together and there you are, once every four or five years you can vote and, and there you are, that's done. Or, of course, a very occasion you have a riot, um, those are often quite effective as a form of feedback, or you have a public campaign, maybe a press campaign. By and large, these happen years and years after the event. Mm. And consequently, you've had all of that accumulated waste uh, before anyone finds out. But by and large, as you say, people push out laws, regulations, statutes, policies, programs, projects, etc., etc., etc. You know, it's one-way traffic. And there's nothing coming back saying, you know, the return loop, the feedback loop, saying, does it work? Well, if you try to run a business or a company on that basis with, without any knowledge of your profit and loss, your cash flow, your sales, your product sales, your staff morale, your, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, your business would be bust fairly quickly. And I think that's essentially what we've got with governments. You know, some work better than others. Singapore, you'll find, has better forms of feedback and a greater interest in feedback and learning at the cultural level than anything in Britain or indeed the US. I mean, where this came from, if you look at systems thinking hmm. and cybernetics, well, what do you need to do? There you are, you're going along, you are set a direction. As we've discussed before, every policy is an experiment. It's not a sort of fixture that's definitely going to work. So you send it out and you then need to get course corrections as you go. Well, you need to know where you are for a kickoff and where you're going and you get course corrections. So you say, ah, yeah, that particular regulation on deep sea trawling, well intentioned, but it's not really working because they're still overfishing. Just, so, just to cut in there, Ed, what I'm hearing is that this is something that touches on something we talked about in a previous episode regarding this managerial class. There are the people mm. who are involved and, and responsible, and there are the people who are not involved and not consulted. Mm. And that somehow that this priestly class issuing directives is, in an important respect, unaccountable. Exactly. And uninformed because you know they keep doing these grandiose things and they're not getting any feedback to say well actually that's, that's all very well but did you know you know the last 10 things you did eight were a uh, complete nonsense and so therefore you end up with this massive accumulation of waste and if you toss mm. up all of the laws that actually don't really work all of the regulations that don't really work and of course they consume public money but they also consume our money because we all have to comply with the regulations and the laws no matter how good or bad they are mm. they go into institutions loads of institutions working away actually you know are they of that much use and value some are some aren't I'm curious how how much this analogy between a business, particularly a large organisation uh, business, and the government remains intact, and where does it break down? Because clearly, you know, there are important areas in which a government is not like a business, insofar as ultimately, profit isn't everything. 
No, well, I mean, governments, are, uh, well, interestingly, I mean, businesses should also have social purpose. And to be fair, some of them do still understand that, you know, they are part of a society. They're not something out on a limb that's just there to make money. But critically, government actions are mostly about social purpose. Mm. So that's fine, because all you need to concentrate on is you need feedback. And we should put to one side the layers and layers of performance measures and targets mm. and all the rest of it, because this is feedback on purpose. Mm. You know, why are we doing this? So you set the social purpose, and then you get feedback. So, you know, the results of agricultural subsidies... Um, regulations for new construction. Are they producing zero carbon housing? The markets for internet access and search, are they competitive? Mm. Are children safer with safeguarding measures? And anyway, what does safe mean? The vast homeland security set up in the US, has it improved homeland security? You know, on and on and on. Well, it's interesting because I suppose that for an awful lot of people, you know, there, there is an assumed credibility that you assume that there are people in charge and that they are, in some sense, on top of these things. Yeah. You, as someone who has experienced the centre in all its chaos, yeah, are very clear that someone is not on top of these things, that the, the idea that anyone might be on top of these things is merely a myth. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, occasionally you will get someone who, if you like, thinks like us, in charge of an organisation who emphasises this stuff very considerably. But, you know, let's take broadband. You know, broadband, I think everyone in the UK and many countries would say, yes, it's an issue. It's incredibly variable from almost non-existent to pretty good. But it's become a vital part of infrastructure and utility. So the 1984 Telecoms Act both privatised the owner of the infrastructure, BT, but also established the regulations for how the infrastructure was going to get developed. Well, you know, they then basically left BT to get on with it, but then milked its monopoly, sent loads of profits to the management and shareholders, and was in no way held to account to build proper broadband and build Mm. it quickly. So you then say, okay, well, this is a Thatcher Act. You know, whatever whatever the policy, it was a good act. It was intended to create competition. Competition was needed. It was intended to use private sector resources, which were good. But actually, the notion that the infrastructure network should be owned by the dominant telco provider was completely mad because they're just going to milk it. And they kept out the competition through all sorts of underhand, oh, well, we can't get round to, you know, talk talk customers and phone call customers before we got to BT customers and all the rest of it. And so we arrive at today where the absence of feedback, rigorous critical feedback on the 1984 Act means that you and I and many other people don't get decent broadband. Well, that's Mm. pretty bloody fundamental to me. Yeah, amazing, really. And actually, I suppose that's a good case in point of where the 
functions of government and the functions of a private company are somewhat at odds since the, the private company ended up with monopoly conditions that at least add quite a high measure of control over the conditions around it. Yeah, and of course, I mean, BT whacked in with the preferential lobbying, dealing with a civil service that actually doesn't understand technology because it employs so few technologists and engineers, dealing with a political class that also doesn't understand it. Um, so, you know, it was very easy to say, oh, it's, you know, terribly important that we retain this and all the rest of it. And if you had separate from government and indeed separate from the company, rigorous institutional feedback that said, okay, there's the act, this is its purpose, it's not working, something needs to happen. And of course, you've got to have the powers of corrective action. So the institution doesn't just say, oh, you're scoring two out of 10 here, you're scoring two out of 10, and you have to change the rules. Peter Drucker in 1969 talked about an abandonment programme. Mm. But yeah, you've got a good policy, I don't know, for welfare or for schools or whatever it happens to be. Actually, independent feedback, not political feedback, maths is not political, this says that it is not working. So this Therefore, is almost like programming something in where you're saying that you've got a sort of like a four next loop almost where you're saying if this if this happens, then this happens. And it's exactly. I mean, there's it, no it, discussion. It, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cla- I mean, think of a thermostat. There's a thermostat on the wall. You set it to 20 degrees. Uh, when the temperature gets above 20 degrees, it turns the boiler off. When it goes and stops heating house, uh, when it goes below 20 degrees, it turns the boiler on. And obviously, some of these things are that simple, actually, in government, because there's just, a, you know, people, people talk about being pro-regulation and anti-regulation. Well, you can't be pro-regulation, anti-regulation. Regulation exists, it's needed. Mm. You know, does anyone not want food standards regulated you know you mm. happy to have a dose of salmonella coming your way well you know don't be damn silly does anyone not want construction sites properly regulated where still uh, more people die than in any other industry well of course they well, do. i suppose on, the, on these human levels you know actually what you're also talking about is what most contracts are there's sort of a disagreement in advance what we're going to do if this thing doesn't work so this is actually this abandonment program, this cybernetic feedback would be fed through something that would be like a contract that says, OK, th- this is what happens when this thing doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't got that far, Philip, to be honest, but I think that's <laughs> an excellent extension to what we're talking about here. I mean, if you go to the House of Lords, you know, they get terribly excited about passing a law. Mm. And and I mean, you know, they feel terribly important and, and the surge of status that goes mm. through, pass the law, then off to the tea rooms to sort of pat themselves all on the back. But what's a law? And it has no use or value until it goes into effect. Now, But is this also a part of this sort of messianic mindset that, that there'll be this sort of messianic transformation that happens? Yeah. As in, you know, somebody gets a law done, they are yeah. the Messiah, they've made the yeah. change, and now yeah. everybody and, can and forget I mean, about it and relax. You're absolutely right. I mean, politicians actually think the reason things are going to work better is because they, as individuals, are better 
than the other lot. So but their orientation and, is one of sudden transformation rather than gradual improvement, which I think is where you're going with this idea of feedback, that the feedback feeds into the system and feedback yes, generally and escalates it, one way or the other. So you want the feedback to either make keep the system improving or stop it from disimproving. Yeah, I mean, the word cybernetics comes from the Greek that means sailing, essentially. So there you are sailing a boat and you set a course and you've got your provisions and all the rest of it. Oh, the wind changes. Oh, the current changes. Oh, you know, something that the weather changes. Right. So what do we do? We look at the compass mm. and we do a course correction because otherwise you ain't going to get to the other side of the channel. So it's gradual step by step in order to get to the other side well mm. they don't do any of that they ha they have no grasp of that and consequently it... huge amounts of stuff that's going on which uh, either is having very little effect zero effect or actually quite often negative effect mm. all of this stuff accumulated costs a pile of money you know we're all in favor of not paying more taxes than we need to well, I can assure you the amount of tax that is going on the waste caused by the absence of feedback dwarfs any political offer that you're going to get ever. Well, that's a very interesting point. And you raised another interesting point earlier on when you were talking about, you know, if you had, for example, engineers at the centre or, you know, if you had people that were, were able to understand the processes better, then you would get, you'd have a, a better decision-making mm. process. You'd have a better view of, of reality. And it's, I think that touches on your sort of diversity or our diversity point over these podcasts yeah. quite strongly. Yeah, the diversity of perspective. And, and so uh, if you take another analogy, there are things called design authorities. You know, so how does this feedback mm. work? Because, I mean, sometimes it's very obvious. Is the law working? Isn't it working? It's not working. Abandon it. Stop being stupid. If it's an important objective, come up with something else. Often these things are pretty complex. You know, how well is a school system working? How well mm. is a welfare, you know, the health service? And just to, to link but, design authorities back to the last episode of our previous series, when we talked about the post-crash analysis, this is where this design authority idea mm. came from. And it's so, mm. it seems like such a great model for getting groups of people together. No, exactly, Philip. I mean, so there you are, you're uh, designing ships. I mean, that's where the design authorities came out of, or trains, or let's take offshore wind turbines. I, I know something about uh, a particular design authority there. So we want to improve the safety of them we want to improve the reliability of them we want to improve the performance of them everyone has an interest in that so you bring together in these design authorities people from the industry engineers technologists scientists people out of insurance who want to minimize their insurance costs obviously you bring together academics working in these fields you bring together people out of government out of the regulators they sit on a regular basis around the table and look at the latest information and changes in offshore wind turbines oh dear hurricanes are getting stronger and stronger in the florida gulf what are we going to do okay mm -hmm. let's look at that and we go around the table and no one there is selling anything or trying to get anyone to do anything for any other reason than the purpose to improve these turbines. 
then they will come out with sometimes guidance or they may come out and say, well, actually, we know this now, so that's going to be a standard, so everyone has to do it. Hmm. And then three months later, another review or how often you need to do. So as you say, it's this step-by-step improvement rather than this absurd big bang. Another form of feedback is failure inquiries. We've had a rail crash. Hmm. Why did we have a crash? Well, actually, if you look at the way failure inquiries work, again, there are no politicians in sight or no politics. There is no blame. We're not here to blame someone and get a scalp. And there we are. The director of social services has been hung by the great London. I think that's such an important point. You know, this is something I see all the time. And increasingly, what I feel like I'm, I'm noticing is that when there's a blame game, there's a hidden agenda. It's always somebody trying to dodge attention because it seems that nothing positive comes out of the flame game. It seems to be a fairly negative process. The Victorian rail crashes, if you go back to them and and the origins of the failure inquiries and the rail executive and all the rest of it, you'll find that the railway owners, you know, trying to run the trains faster and faster and faster, there's a crash. What happens? The driver was asleep, you know, the guard was asleep, the signalman was asleep. The train companies would always try and blame an individual because actually the problem was that they're running the trains too fast. The equipment on the train was not up to the safety job. There was a malfunction because they hadn't trained the signalman. There was a problem because they were trying to get round something. So they were trying to shift the blame. And the point about the failure inquiry is to take it away, as you say, from that individual actually onto where the responsibility was, which is a collective responsibility, particularly in this case for the uh, railway owners. You know, these days you can say, well, where could we have a failure inquiry? Well, how about the 2007-8 financial crash? Let's get out of the politics here and let's get into really understanding, but then not just understanding, making the changes and requiring the changes to be made to the way in which the global monetary system works or doesn't work in order that that doesn't happen again. Well, it's Um, interesting. We've talked about this before and we've talked about the diffuse networks of responsibility where no one person is is accountable. And at the same time, the culture, I suppose that really feeds into the culture among these various industries where nobody is looking at the big picture. Everyone's just looking at their little keyhole. And one thing you mentioned uh, when we discussed it before was that the, the job of the system is to shove the big picture right in everybody's faces. Politicians and the practice of party politics and government is actually a practice of extraordinary irresponsibility. So these people will come in, you know, they'll just fire stuff out, which may be a good idea and well thought through it, maybe simply their prejudices. They fire it out. They then will lie, rhetorically massage statistics, spin, produce a narrative, produce blame in order to prove that whatever it is they've done is working. Well, I mean, I'm terribly sorry, lads, but you are the most irresponsible bunch of people in the world. And you need to have the feedback shoved in your face. And there needs to be a mechanism that says uh, it's not your choice if it's failed as to whether it's now corrected. It will happen. But there's also something for each of us here in that feedback also puts a dent in my prejudices, 
and yours and informs us all so that we can improve the collective way in which we consider what should be done. Mm. A friend of my younger brother's on the allotment said, oh, there's, well, there's a tendency among some people to be drawn to fanciful explanations for things they don't understand. Well, that was religion in, in the past and God and things like that. But yeah, so people in the absence of feedback will get drawn into these things and all sorts of uh, well, conspiracy theories would be the obvious one. I mean, conspiracy now, yeah. theories writ large, the Daily Mail view of the world, the Guardian view of the world. You know, it's the duty of every citizen to condemn. This is in the absence of knowledge and feedback. And, so and again, we're back to the to the scientific method, because really what, what you're saying is that we're, we're back to this tremendous pleasure, in a sense, in discovering that you're, you're wrong, because being wrong allows you to get closer to seeing reality whereas right. for a politician you know the culture the, the oh. entire sales culture oh, and really what they are is salesmen more than anything yeah. else of cheap tat not wishing to be unkind to politicians but that's what no, but I mean, what's a manifesto it's a sort of collection of promises that they can't that be guaranteed can... they're, they're, it's they, there's no way that they they can't promise everything to everybody and fulfill all those promises yeah. And yet the system is such that they need to promise the world to everybody in order to get into power. So there's a complete contradiction written into that. Absolutely. So you've got to cut through that contradiction, through this false separation of powers. And, and we all need to up our game, actually. Um, mm. And we all need to not be governed by our guts and our prejudices and who we do and don't like, but to see this rise of knowledge within society and within the system, such that, I mean, frankly, where is the place of politics at the end of the day? Does everyone not want good schools or good mm. health service? Once you've decided that, it's merely a question of how. Well, the how is not, as you say, a big bang. Here it is. It's new. It's brilliant. It is step-by-step -step improvement. And some of that might be quite radical steps. But improvement based on where we're going where we've got to how we've performed before we close up ed i wanted to just kind of do a quick drive-by because you've talked about this um this great term of yours the resulture which sounds like yeah. such a mishmash but so there is actually a branch of government called the auditory branch of government which yes in the case of the UK, we have the National Audit Office. There are other supreme audit institutions across the world, and I'm going to yeah. put all these great links. It's quite a quite an interesting little tour, actually, to go through yeah. this. But the the National Audit Office does not fulfil your wishes for what feedback could provide. And also, I would say the flip side of that is that one of the areas of feedback that we haven't discussed today is the direct feedback that we talked about with regards to the mayor of Tübingen. The, you know, you meet the man on the street. And all of this feedback doesn't just apply at a central government level. It needs to apply at every level of government. And it will vary in its intensity and reach and so on. But there you are, you're in Tübingen. And because that mayor of a town of 90,000 people has the power to actually make quite a big impact in terms of the response to the pandemic. 
then, as you say, you can have a chat to him. You may even know him. He's much more local. I mean, that's another benefit of localization. Mm. Incidentally, when there is an inquiry into the response to the pandemic, it should be done on the basis of a rail crash failure inquiry. Mm. But to come on to the result chart, my apologies for the world. Uh, well, I, what's I, the difference between the result chart and the auditory branch of government? Because they, yeah, they I mean, sound very similar. The, so some feedback does occur. So the National Audit Office, the Office for National Statistics, which actually has done quite a good job in holding government to some facts mm. in relation to... COVID and the pandemic, you've got an outbreak of independent fact checkers who have come into the world because we need some fact. So you've got these things, but auditing is very much about, are these numbers correct? So here's a profit and loss account. The auditors go in, is that profit and loss correct? So that's audit. They do sometimes value for money, are we getting value for money out of the right? Web? So it's very so, narrow in terms of so, in terms of seeing where the purpose is achieved. Mm, it's not yes, really so focused it, on it, that exactly, and it may just highlight efficiency. Well, I'm very sorry, you know, efficiency of the environment agency, yeah, tick. But why is it here? You know, what is it mm. trying to do? What's its purpose? And again, now, this links into the value for money and the target. Based nature of, of change. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, we're talking purpose here, purpose in relation to benefit to society, benefit to you and I. So, I mean, that branch does exist, but it needs to become, let's call it the feedback branch. So the feedback branch needs to be independent. It needs to be run out of the second chamber. In our case, this is the House of Lords, but the House of Lords needs to be reformed in order to make sure that it is independent, mm. but not reformed into the political system. So we don't want it even more full of politicians. We want it full of people that understand their role is vetting of government. Now, there are all sorts of existing institutions. There are people, for example, in universities around the country. There are some design authorities that you could build out from. There are the fact checkers and all the rest of it. Indeed, we've talked a bit about blockchain and potential of using blockchain to generate a lot of this information. But the second chamber's job is not to go and collect every number. And I mean, there's such a backlog of work here. You know, there's 3,500 laws passed in the reign of Queen Elizabeth the second well mm. you know we've just got to work our way through all of those i mean you prioritize obviously we need to be getting that feedback through we need to be going look you know not working the second chamber then needs to have these abandonment powers they then need to stimulate and set up these design authorities interestingly in a way sage which has played quite a role sometimes badly in the current pandemic is a form of design authority. But of course, it then ended up with a load of politicians mm. on it and civil servants. You know, this wasn't a diverse, independent perspectives that they were collecting. But so there are bodies like that which can be expanded. 
And then you are building the infrastructure and people will say, oh, well, doesn't this take money? Well, yes, it will take money. But my goodness, it will be a fraction mm. of the cost that we're currently incurring and indeed annoyance that results as, as a result of, you know, government spewing stuff out and not knowing what it's hit or what it's done. So really what I take from that is that this branch of government, this feedback branch, is very much not about a narrow view, for example, with regards to value for money or whatever. It's no. much more about looking at the purpose of whatever the law might be. Mm. Uh, for example, in, in the case of child protection, clearly, mm. is the child protected? Is the child actually having mm. a, a better mm. life and so on? For example, um, if you take, I mean, it's extended a bit there, take the criminal justice system. Mm. Okay, so there's the criminal justice system. It makes a decision. It does a disposal, as it's called. And now you, you know, spotty teenager, 100 hours of community service, a 40-year-old man, a repeat offender, in for burglary, and we give him a present sentence. Now, you will find some feedback in general across the board on does prison work or not. You know, this is incredibly, does community service orders work? You know, very broad brush. What you need is, right, okay, we, we did this to this person. Mm. What was the result? Yeah. He was in prison for two years. What happened afterwards? Mm. So you have this system, you know, with enormous evidence. We work on the basis of evidence to prove or disprove guilt. We give them a sentence. Then no evidence whatsoever to find out whether what they are doing is effective. And of course, it will vary, but you will build up a set of knowledge and it won't be oh, prison works, prison doesn't work. It will be in the circumstances of a particular person with a particular background, income, job, not job, house, stage of life, family. We did this to them in order to correct and rehabilitate them. In those circumstances, did that work? Over time, you will just get better and better knowledge about what doesn't doesn't work. And indeed, you know, is the best thing for the spotty teenager. And there was a big debate about this years ago, you know, to be sent on holiday to the Caribbean. And actually, we find that I'm, I'm plucking an extreme out here. Actually, we find if we send them to a holiday in the Caribbean, oh, they don't do it again. Or indeed, is this one of those things where, my word, people grow up. Or indeed, if we had a better vocational education system at 14, mm. for, you know, like... Well, it, it probably touches also on, on, on our discussion of purpose. You know, if they if they could see a, a better purpose in, right. you know, how they participate in their society, they might sort of see more interest and entertainment outside of sort of petty kind of petty criminal activity or whatever it is that, that yeah. gets them into trouble. Yeah, um, so I think we're getting on to a good time to have a look at next week and the second one of these um, principles under the fourth separation of powers, which is principle 11. This is, you know, continuing the theme of the world can't run on lies. Hmm. I do hope everyone enjoys this one. 
statutory duties for the behaviour of politicians and officials at work, including the duty of straight speak, shall be set. The world can't run on lies. Well, that's a good place to finish, Ed. Thanks again. See you next week. My pleasure. Thank you.